How are we doing, family? Excellent. Excellent. It's good to see you. Good to see you. How did Paul did good last week? Yeah. Or was it Aaron? Yeah. Minister Aaron. No? So, so like only like six of you were here? Yeah. God is so good. God is so good. How, how many of you planted your seed? Like five people planted the seed? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm committed to this. So, so I got some pictures up. You know, and for those who haven't been here, who don't know what I'm talking about, we, uh, last month we, I, I challenged everybody to plant a seed and take care of their, their uh, plant. And that, because there's certain things that you learn as you're plant, planting a seed. And so this is one. And this is my wife's, uh, no, this is Stephanie's plant. And we all planted our seeds all at the same time. But the thing about it is, I think I damaged it. I was watering it. And I think I put too much water in one particular place. And so it's not growing the nicest, but it's growing, right? And then let's go to the next picture. This is, this is Rita's plant. I think I really, really damaged this one. <laughs> and there's, but there's a message behind this. There's a message behind this. And go, go to the next one. That's Molly's plant, right? So it's not growing high, but one thing we had to realize is what type of seed we planted. Right, because, okay, we, we don't worry, we're going to go somewhere. And then there's, a, there's this, uh, another one. This is Liam's plant. And they all planted at the same, no, this is mine. Yeah, this is mine. <laughs> it's, looking, it's looking good, right? And, and no, <laughs> I'm not a hater. I didn't, I didn't mess up my, 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 my other family members' plants on purpose. It was an accident. But it's looking nice and rich, right? <laughs> See, but I thought I was doing something good, but then go to the next slide. That one, that's... That's, whose is that? That's Liam's, right? So I thought I was doing something good. I'm like, yo, Liam, what are you doing? To he said, Dad, I just be watering it. I mean, like, how do you water your plant like that? It's looking good, right? But then I went to the next room, and this is Jamal's. I'm like, what are you planting? What did you plant? <laughs> because, no, the thing about it, you got to understand, we all planted at the same time. But what happens is, what, we, what, what I've noticed is that as we plant certain seeds, Right? We can plant at the same time, but there are certain speeds of growth within the seed. That's right. That's right. Right? So, this, I created a list of things that we, we, we got to be mindful of as we plant our seed. That, 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 that n- number one, we have to understand the purpose of the seed. Amen. Right? Because we, we, uh, what happens is, if we understand the purpose of the seed, that's where our faith lies, and therefore we can understand when it has a sporadic times of growth and no growth. Come on, I hope you're getting this with me because, so, because you know, we, we, we look at our seed and say, okay, wow, it, it, the first couple of days, it, it grew fast. And the next thing you know, it just stagnates. And what happens is with Molly's plant, the reason why it's not growing high is what, is what we call ground covering. So it's a seed that's planted to just ground cover, and instead of growing high, it grows wide. So sometimes when you plant the seed, you got to understand the purpose of the seed because when you understand the purpose of the seed, you got to understand how it grows, the growth pattern. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your seed will grow high, sometimes your seed will grow wide. And we get caught up in, 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 in understanding and then, you know, so no, number one, understand the purpose. Number two, understand the season that your seed is growing in. Certain seeds grow faster in a specific season, it slows down in another season. Number three, number three, don't compare the growth of your seed to somebody else's. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, stop comparing the growth of somebody else's seed. 
See, because when you understand the type of seed that you plant, you understand that there's a specific growth that's, that's designed within that seed. So here it is, my son Jamal, his, his seed is growing out, you know, high, tall, it's coming out of the pot, and I got these little itty bitty leaves. And, 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 and I started comparing myself, I said, wow, no, what, what, I started asking, you know, because this is what we do when we start comparing, we start asking, what did you do to get what you, what you got? Oh, I see you, 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 you're where I want to be. What did you do? And the question is, wait, what seed did they plant in order to get where they got? And then I look at myself, I say, wow, because my process is designed for me as who I am as Jamal Bernard. So here's the principle for this message. Your process of growth is DNA to who you are as an individual. Right. We're going to try this again. The principle for this message, and this is the end of the message, your process of growth is DNA to who you are as an individual. Not everybody can handle fast growth. Right. That's true. That's true. Not everybody can handle slow growth. So the question is, who are you and what can you handle and be okay with that? So that's the message for... The seed that I saw this morning as I was comparing my kids' seeds. And I'm like, Jamal, let me, you got a spirit miracle grow back there? Like, but, so that's a quick message. Is that all right? all right? That's not why I came to hear the minister. <laughs> but I had to share it because I went through that this morning. So today, I want to speak to you. Well, I've been traveling with my father. My father and I have been going, you know, doing some uh, father-son uh, uh, ministering. And a part of that is father-son ministering. We, are, we talk about different things pertaining to transition and um, looking at the father-son relationship because it's very rare to see a, a, uh, a father-son of you know, color being successful in with what they're doing. You know, you, got, you come from the, the denomination churches, with the denomination churches, you know, they, they pick and choose who's, who's coming to succeed the individual who's before that, you know, for most denominations. And then you got other, uh, other um, areas, and we, we saw that, you know, we found that there's, there's four, five different types of transition, you know, and, and, and only one is good. So we got intentional transition. That's a good one. That's the one that, you know, because you were intentional about it. We've been in, on a, next year will be tw- the 20th year of a 20-year tr- uh, succession plan. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere yet. You know, transition doesn't mean my father's getting kicked out and he's just moving into certain responsibilities and I'm moving into certain, certain responsibilities. Uh, but the, 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 the four that are bad is one is abandonment. And as Pastor Adam goes and travels around and minister uh, Paul, you can, you can see that you know, that's happening a lot, especially in our age group. They're abandoning the, 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 um, the altar. They're abandoning the church. You know, number two is moral failure. A lot of individuals are falling from, you know, the, the, the morality uh, of what it means to be a Christian and, and the things going on, and then they're leaving their church. Number, uh, number three is, is, is sickness. A lot of churches are losing their ministers because these ministers are sick. They're not taking care of themselves. There's a lot of things going on, you know. Um, and then the last one is sudden death, you know. And in, in the, the younger generation of pastors coming up, we've had more suicides. Right. That's right. So pastor has taken upon himself to really respond to the need to start creating systems and structures that help safeguard churches against some of these different things. And uh, so that's what we've been doing. Uh, so we had fun. We were in California. And then he's also is doing a celebrity, uh, celebrity uh, and 
I don't call it celebrity. I, 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 well, it's, it's this thing called intersection. Intersection is basically he's going out there interacting with individuals who are in the celebrity world, uh, politicians, as well as um, corporate America, high up corporate executives, and stuff like that, that find themselves dissatisfied with the church, but they still believe in God. And how can we create this and embrace this connection? So we, we met at Israel Houghton's house and he had about 100 individuals. And my father just really spoke from his heart, shared his, you know, and what happened was you started seeing the walls break down. Some of these individuals are saying, wow, you know, this is what I needed. This is what gave me, what I needed just to give me a little more hope in Christianity. Because we as Christians, we've done some bad jobs within our Christianity. We have caused a lot of individuals to not like Christianity because of the way we live, the inconsistencies. So Doctrine is there also tearing those walls down. So I'm excited about that. And then from California, we went, I went to Orlando. And then when, while we were in Orlando, it was amazing because one, it was, I left New York when, it was, when I had that temperature drop. When it went from 54 degrees down to 32 degrees. So I was still in 80 degree weather. I was enjoying it. I'm sorry you guys missed it. But... <laughs> You know, <laughs> it was a good time. And, we, you know, and, and so we got there, met with about 60 individuals that have been consistent. You know, and just, I'm just giving you an update of what we, where we are as a church. And they've been, you know, coming consistent. So we created a core, a group of individuals, and we meet once a month on Tuesdays. And it so happened to be the second Tuesday of each month. And uh, so I go in and we start talking about some of the things I've been talking to you about. You know, the question is, uh, um, you know, do we need a New Testament in order to have Christianity? You know, and your, your answer is? We do? Church, we do? Okay, here. Do we need the New Testament in order to have Christianity? Yes. Who says yes? Why? 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 Why, why do you believe that we need Christian, uh, the New Testament? See, and, and, and what happens is a lot of individuals mistake that question for the whole idea of church. So we need New Testament for church. But, we, you know, to understand the church, the church in this context. But do we need the New Testament to have Christianity? Some people are like, oh, I'm confused now. I thought, I thought we... Let me, okay, I got another question to help you answer that. What came first? The life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the basis of Christianity, or the New Testament? Come on, Saint, talk, talk back to me. So Jesus, the life, death, resurrection, the, the day of Pentecost, all that stuff happened prior to. So can we still, yes, it did. <laughs> Think about this. The New Testament are stories, right, of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And it's, it's a stories about the day of Pentecost. It's stories of the birthing of the church. But if we happen not to have the New Testament, can we still have Christianity? Some people are still not, 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 they're still not agreeing with me. See, and the reason why I say that is because even if they go after the New Testament and say the New Testament is not reliable, the te New Testament is inconsistent, there's some flaws and stuff like that, does that bear any weight on the fact that Christianity is still there? No. No. Oh, man. Some of y'all are still wrestling with that. All right. Well, that's, that's some of the stuff we did. <laughs> but, oh, man. I feel like I said we, we need, to, we need to, to go more in depth than that. We? 
We did, do we really need to? All right, so here, here it goes. Once again, that's not what I meant to minister, but here it goes. So what happens is, and the reason why I'm bringing this up, is when individuals, especially in other religions, attack the church, the first thing they attack is the Bible. Right. Right? And we know that even though the Bible was written by man, we believe that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Are we all on the same page? Yes. Right? So if the Bible was written by man, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right, and, and, and we look at the consistencies of, of, of the manuscripts of the Bible, we can say that, yes, it's valid. We have extra biblical sources that help bring into the, 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 the conversation that still speaks to the validity of Christianity. Right? So the New Testament, to me, is not a problem. All right, so if you're worried about me saying, well, we have a problem with the New Testament. No, I believe in the New Testament. The New Testament is about the, a part of the Bible, which is, a, you know, the primary source of my faith, the, you know, the rule of my conduct, the lens that I see life through. So, so the New Testament is, but the thing about it is, if we ever have, have, have to have a conversation with individuals and remove the Bible for a specific purpose of conversation piece, not out of Christianity. So we keep Christi- the Bible still the main book that I'm reading. The New Testament is the main book, but there's some individuals that you're going to come into contact with that don't believe in the Bible. And just because they don't believe in the Bible does not negate the fact that Christianity is still possible even without the Bible. That's all I'm trying to say. Because there's a lot of individuals that argue, well, your your Bible has flaws. If you're not at the level to really discuss those flaws and really articulate those flaws, then you, you, it's very difficult to come from a defense on that side. But now if you say, okay, well, let's take the Bible out of the conversation. And let's come from a perspective that Christianity is built on a historic person called Jesus. Right? So we have the historic person of Jesus. Then we can have a conversation, the fact that we know that he lived. We have extra biblical sources that speak to the life of Jesus Christ. Even the Muslims say that Jesus lived. Right? So now we can start a conversation outside of the Bible, which tends to be some of our problem because we don't know how to articulate some of the things that the Bible is saying. Because Christians have a heavy sense of biblical illiteracy. So we come in and we say, well, let's have this conversation. Historically speaking, from your textbooks, from your books, Jesus existed. Historically speaking, not only did he exist, he died on a cross. It's historic. There's manuscripts, there's books that talk about the life and death of Jesus Christ. The problem now we have to start wrestling with for them is the resurrection part. And still, we don't have to worry about finding the full resurrection in the Bible to start our case. We can actually find it in other manuscripts that speak to the reliability of the New Testament. So all I'm saying is, be prepared for the discussion. And even if they tear down your Bible, still stand strong that you know that Christianity didn't start because of a Bible. It started because of a Christ. That's right. That's right. I got more claps. I got more individuals that... that (laughs) No, it's funny because that's the thing that rattles Christians when they attack, when the Bible's attacked, they find themselves withdrawing or trying to come up with a, 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 something to help defend the Bible that they stand on. See, me, I'm prepared to have the conversation if the Bible is in the conversation or if the Bible is not. There's still a fact that Jesus died and rose again. 
and I'll use your text and I'll use your literature to, to add to my conversation. Right. So the very thing that you're trying to tear down, you're supporting because of these sources. And now I'm going to add my Bible because it's the cream of the top, the creme de la creme. And then we go from conversations of the 600 that saw uh, Jesus after his death, the, the three that saw Jesus after his death. We saw, you know, we can talk about the, 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 the fact that the women were the first individuals that saw Jesus after his death or received information after Jesus' death. Then we can start having that conversation. But still, even though we know that we know that Jesus Christ, he was born, he lived, he died, and he rose. And that's Christianity. That's the good news. That's the gospel. But once again, that's not what I came to minister. <laughs> I know I, 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 I got to see how we, we can get most of this done, all right? We're going to try to get most of this done today. Say, say to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Neighbor. Jesus, Jesus lived, lived died, died, and rose, and rose for, me. for me. And that's where, that's where my faith lies, my faith lies and, starts. and starts. That's right, man. That's right, man. That's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, there's three different questions that we as Christians must be able to answer to ourselves, right? There's three questions that we have to be able to answer to ourselves that'll help create the lens and, and, and dictate the way we interact with this world. You know, there's an argument, is it Christ and culture, Christ in culture, Christ with culture? You know, see, these are some of the arguments, but the question is how do we relate? What's the, what's the biggest question we ask when we get saved? How does my faith now interact with the society and the environment that I'm living in? Because I'm saved, right? I got saved. What do I do? How do I assimilate into this world now, right? If, 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 because before, I didn't, feel, uh, I, I, wasn't, you know, I didn't feel bad if I was out there partying. And I'm not saying that partying is bad, but for some people, partying is bad because of your, the way you're wired. Some people just got to stop. Right? So, so, so some, some say, how do I, uh, I interact in my job force? You know, especially if I'm in a job environment that people dog each other out. Or, or how, how, how do I interact with my family now because, because Christ is at the center? So what does that mean about reallocating or re, re, repositioning certain family members within my life? Because they're antagonistic to this walk. So the biggest question that we all ask when we get saved is assimilation. But there are three questions, basic that we have to be able to answer when we, we resolve that assimilation process. Number one, what is the truth about God? And why? Do you need to know that answer? Because the more truth you know about God, the stronger your faith will be and the more willing you are to work with him. So number one, what's the truth about God? Number two, what does it mean to be human? And why do we need to know why does it, what does it mean to be human? Because we believe that humanity, from a biblical perspective, has a certain level of value or worth above any and all other creation. So we have to be able to respond to that. 
That's why I think that song, He Thought I Was Worth Saving, is such a powerful song because it really puts a, a, the human being into perspective. Because remember, all other creations being saved or, 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 or being addressed, not because the, the love that God has for the dog, for the lion, but for the love that God has for humanity. They're beneficiaries of the love that God has for humanity. So what does, what's the truth about God? What does it mean to be human? We have to answer that. And number three, what does it mean to live in this world as a Christian? That's the assimilation question. Because sometimes, like when I was growing up, I don't know how about, about you, but when I was growing up, it was presented as the hardest thing to do in life was to live life as a Christian. I looked at, you know, some of the, the, the lists and some of the things that they tell you, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. You know, I told you, I, I don't know if I told you this, but my dad thought everything was a devil. Oh, yeah, I said that. <laughs> like, I felt so left out when I went to the lunchroom and everybody's playing knuckles. I'm like, that's a devil. <laughs> They're all going to hell. Like, look at the daddy. I go home, daddy, you should, you, you would never know what I seen up in the lunchroom. Daddy, they all going to hell. And this is, you know, and this is private Lutheran school. Somebody talked to me about Uno. I said, yeah, that's the first number of, in, in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> I was a deprived kid. They were going to school talking about, talking about He-Man. Remember that old school cartoon? Yeah. I couldn't watch that. It was the devil. <laughs> what kind of cartoon is this? The Skeletor, you know, the guy with the skeleton. Oh, they're going to hell. Everybody was going to hell. We couldn't watch that. <laughs> the Smurfs? And then there was a rumor that Smurf means demon in German, so they don't you really know. I don't even know if that's accurate. So I'm like, this, this Christian thing is not fun. Like, you, you guys are telling me everything the devil. Can I breathe? But honestly, we have to ask that question. What does it mean to live in this world as a Christian? And Because in essence, we have to say, okay, how do I navigate this? So let's tackle number one. <laughs> so I'm down in Florida, and we're talking, and right, we're chopping it up, and we're having a conversation pertaining to, uh, you know, we talked about the Old Testament. And I said, and so I asked another question. I said, is there anything God can't do? Is there anything God cannot do? You know, even to the point where one individual got up and tried to correct me and said, there's some things that God won't do, you know, and, and then people get confused on, on what God won't do. No, there's certain things that, that I got a question. Is there anything that God can't do? So somebody, somebody was like, oh, he said he cannot lie. I said, go to that text. What, is that, what does it say about, does it say he can't lie? Some translations say he shouldn't, shall not lie. Some channels they say he won't lie. But if it's, is there a definitive statement that says he cannot lie in that text? So is there anything that God cannot do? True, God is, you know, God is, you know, he God. He can do whatever he wants. David said you know, in the text, he said, even if he does something wrong, we won't know it. But is, is there anything that God cannot do? Oh, y'all want to talk to me? 
I tricked y'all too much today already? Is one, one, one question too many? See, but, but, but the, the, the thing about it is, I asked you this question, and the first question I said we have to respond is, what? The truth about God. So if we have to answer the truth about God, is there anything that God cannot do? How many say there's nothing that God can't do, cannot do? All right. How many say that there's things that God cannot do? Thank you for my five, six bold people. And some people are saying, okay, he's leaning more towards God. There's certain things that God cannot do. And he was good about the New Testament. So I'm going to go with Pastor Jamal on this one and, and agree. But the, the, no, in, in essence, right, and, and, and somebody said, well, you can't tell God what he can and cannot do. I said, I'm not telling God what he can and cannot do. I understand that I've discovered the things. Once he put time, space, and matter into motion, there's certain things that he, 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 he cannot do. And for the basics, we'll say this. Let me give you a working, working statement that you can have the conversation with individuals, especially them super-duper saved people. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm just regular saved. I'm trying, to, you know, I'm trying to work on my salvation. I'm, I'm the one being justified. I'm the one who God is still working on. Here's the statement. God cannot be the author of a logical contradiction. <clears throat> Write that down. I'm, I'm explaining it. Don't worry. Some people are like looking at me like, here we go again. <laughs> God cannot be an author of a logical contradiction. What do I mean by that? Is what your faces are saying. So I'll give you one quick example. God cannot make a square circle. It's an illogical statement. It's a logical contradiction. A square circle is a contradiction. Let me give you more. Let's look at God and his absolute, right? God is absolute. God is absolute truth, right? God is absolute perfection. Nobody else is as perfect and ontologically speaking as God is, right? God is absolute light, Right? God is, God, is, God is absolute, whatever you want to say, absolute knowledge. He's absolute, you know, uh, yeah. so, so, so let me say, so if he's absolute, look, let's look at God and his absoluteness, if that's a word. If it is, I can define it. If it's not a word, I can define it, so therefore, we'll make it a word. As long as I can define it, that's, that's what, you know, millennials are doing now, because I see some words up there that don't make no sense, but they define it. I'm like, okay, it makes sense now. So God in his absolute, because his, where he is absolute and his, all his perfection makes him God. He's the highest conceivable being without any flaws, without any, any problems, right? So number one, God cannot not exist. Is this too, too deep? Let's say this again. God can, can't not exist. Double negative. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is eternity all in himself. God has had no creator, therefore he will have no end. God has existed, will exist, and always exists. So therefore, a logical contradiction based on that statement means that God can't 
not end. And the reason why this is significant is because when we start talking to individuals about this God we serve, and, and they say, well, who created God? That's the assumption that God was created. He never was created, so therefore, he doesn't need a creator. Truth about God. So therefore, if God is the highest conceivable being, without any flaws, God does not, he's not in need of anything. That's what's significant about us humans. He didn't need us, but he desired to create us. See, when people go after something they need, the drive is there. Right? I need this. I got, I got to have this. But when you go after something you don't need with the same drive as a need, it makes that thing that he's going after worth so much more. Oh. If this is too much, let me know. I, I'll stop right now. So if God is the highest conceivable being, lacking nothing in all his absoluteness. Therefore, once anything challenges his absoluteness, therefore he's no longer God. So if God is absolute truth, if he lies, he's no longer God. Thank you, somebody got, somebody. somebody. <laughs> so if, he, if he's absolute knowledge, if, he, if he's in, in any way learning, acquiring information from learning, therefore he's no longer God. If God is absolute light, if there's any darkness in God, he's no longer God. So logically speaking, there are things that God cannot do. And it still does not take away from his all power, all might, all knowing. And that's the that's that's brilliance of how God operates. He can still have, you know, you know, some things that he cannot do based on who he is as an individual, based on the nature of who he is, and still not take away from him being the highest conceivable being. I see some of you just, just, just really wrap, wrapping your minds around it, trying to understand this and comprehend it. Because, look, look, if we don't know who this God is, right, if God is love, Life and light. So he's absolute, absolute love. Absolute light. And he's absolute life. Therefore, when we need as Christians to understand love, we have to be able to go to God. But what happens is we as as individuals, when we don't know the God we serve, we search everywhere else for an answer that only he can fill. So the first question is, the nature of God. Who is this God? The truth about this God. And what is the truth about this God? He's the highest conceivable being, lacking nothing, steep an idea of love. He's the birthplace of love. So, so, so what happened, and the reason why I'm bringing this stuff up is because if we don't have a true concept of unconditional love, anything else is, is, is a pseudo love and will fall to somebody presenting this whole idea of love. So if the truth about God is God is love, 
then we need to start with him as a source of understanding this idea of love. And once we understand this idea of love, then we can set the proper expectation on individuals based on the space of their relationship on how they should love us. So number one, what's the truth about God? Number two, what does it mean to be a human? And number three, what does it mean to live in this world as a Christian? Let's close our Bibles. We'll answer the next two questions next week. Thank you. See, we have to understand who this God is. That sets the tone on a lot. That sets the tone in our identity. That sets the tone in our relationships. That sets the tone on, 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 on our success as humans. That sets the tone on, on morality. That sets the tone on, 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 on basic logic. This God. I was talking to one of my friends, he's, he, he's the one who wrote the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, and, and I asked him, I said, what are the four major laws that really speak to this God we serve? And the four major laws basically not basically uh, logic, nature, mathematics, and morality. He said, the only one that you can see a, a change in, that, the way the laws respond to each other, is science, nature, natural law. He said, other than that, logic, mathematics, and morality don't change because they come out of his nature. Amen. All right, let's, let's close here. I, think I, 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 I pray that. So, so, so think about this, if, because he is unchanging. So therefore, in order for us to have a standard above any other society, any other group of individuals that is consistent, it has to come from a Godhead that's unchanging. That's why when people say, well, you know, when it comes to morality, what's the standard? The standard is God. Because that moral uh, uh, standard comes out of his nature. And his nature is the most consistent thing that we'll ever see in life. So there's a significance of why you need to answer that question about the truth of God. Who is this God you serve? That's why I said, you know, Genesis 1-1 said, in the beginning, God... If you can't agree with that and understand who that God is, it's hard for you to really fathom the fact that he spoke and life came to existence. See, because science wants to put a limitation that God can't speak nothing into existence. See, but once you start understanding in the beginning, God, let's stay there. We can stay there for a year and unravel the whole statement and the significance about just in the beginning point, not in God's beginning, but in the beginning, and then God, and just start wrapping our minds around this God that we serve. Who is this God? What is so significant about him? What makes him so powerful? What is the reason that necessitates him being, him and I being in a relationship? In the beginning, God. There's something significant about that. And if you can't believe that, then don't read the rest of the Bible. Because of the lens that you start reading the Bible comes from an understanding of this God. So you say in the beginning, God, oh, created the heavens and the earth. Okay. This is a powerful being. 
And the sad thing about it is the creation story is just a pinch of his power. The only reason why I can come to that conclusion is because I started understanding who this God is. And it's still the information I received on my study is a tap, a tad bit of who God really is. God put limitations on how much we can even know about him. In Romans, he said, he said, he said, look, Romans 1, look at creation. It speaks to my existence. And creation that speaks to his existence just allows us to know a little bit about him. That's why I said creation was a, a, a little bit, a pinch of the power of this God. Because our minds can't handle too much. See, I always come from a perspective that, you know, once I resolved the, the, the whole idea of who God was and, and what his power can be, you can't tell me, people, people, oh, God doesn't exist. I said, man, it only could be a God of the God I worship that can do something like this thing called creation, like this thing called humanity. Come on, man, if you just look, just, just study the clotting mechanism of the body, the human body. You can't tell me there's no God. Just look at the DNA code of the humans. They call it the book of life. Every book has to have an author. But we, we, we must answer that question, truth about God. Because that creates a lens that we see everything else through. That creates a lens and we, we, we can constantly say, well, the truth about God is that God is in control. So uh, even though I'm dealing with something I don't want to deal with, you understand God is in control. You, got, you, got, you have to understand this because if the truth about God is that God is not a liar, he's not a man that he should lie, then whatever he has promised me, I can confidently say it's a yay and Amen. So my perspective about life and the way I walk is steep in the truth about God. So we have to answer that question. Amen? Amen. Say to your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Three questions, Three questions. We, must ask. we must ask. One, One. what's the truth about God? Turn to another neighbor. Say, another neighbor. neighbor. Number two, two. what does it mean to be human? Turn to another neighbor. (laughs) Number three, three. what does it mean mean? to live in this world world. as a Christian? Christian. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are, what you are. You're an amazing God, a wonderful God, Lord. And even to this day, I still am at awe of how much you have cared for me personally. And looking at how grand and great you are. Lord, I ask that you continue watching over us. Continue revealing yourself to us. Continue having that conversation. Touch our ears to hear your soft voice, Lord. 
Touch our eyes to see. Touch our minds to understand. Touch our hearts to receive, Lord. Have your way within us this whole week. Help us understand this question, the truth about you, who you are, what you are. What is so significant about us as humans that you are mindful of us? Lord, even in the ranking of creation, you have created us a little lower than our earthly, the heavenly angels. You have charged us with specific dominion over all of creation, Lord. You are so mindful of us. So Lord, answer these questions throughout this week as we study and, and, and pray and meditate because you are so good. So Lord, we ask that you have your way. Anoint us afresh. Touch us. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Come on, saints, and say it like we mean it. We got visitors here. This Bible, this Bible is our primary source of faith. Source of faith. This, Bible this Bible is our rule of conduct. Rule of conduct. This, Bible this Bible creates the lens, lens that we see life through. We see life. As we leave this place with never God's presence, Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.